I've been home since since Tuesday, pretty much, uh, trying to get some rest. And so my mom came, like I said, on Wednesday to, to visit us, and uh, and we were talking, and uh, and we were going back and forth, and and I said, Lord, you know, um, you know, you've been putting in our hearts for a while to uh, to change for service, you know. I said we announced it a couple of weeks ago. I go, you know, but there's a lot of things, you know, within the congregation that you need to align. And so, um, you know, I, I've been praying to God, you know, to give us clear direction and, uh, and give us a sense of peace when to transition, as we've been transitioning. And so it's a, a transition within a transition, yes. right? And, um, and my mom just looks at me and she says, well, if service is meant to be on Saturday, you need to change service to Saturday. And, and I felt that it was like God speaking to me at the moment. And I'm looking at him like, Mom, that's a lot easier said than done. Um, yes, it's it's the way it should be, and, and we're working towards that, you know. But uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of things that need to kind of work around in order to, to make those things happen. So, you know, we're, we're slowly but surely transitioning to that. So um, please keep that in mind. Uh, if we're going to align to the Word of God, we need to align ourselves completely, that's right. not halfway, that's not partial, right. not three quarters of the way, but we need to do it completely. That's right. And again, that's um, part of what we are transitioning to, and we are truly believing that the Word of God is leading uh, this church to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so today, I don't know if you guys noticed, today is a spring forward, and if you look around, I think people forgot about spring forward. Uh, so... Um, either that or they're very afraid of the coronavirus. One of the other. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, how many of you are tired of hearing the coronavirus? If you're not tired of it, man, it's like everywhere. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I wanted to touch on it and not be to bore you guys. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But like we, we saw some pictures. My wife showed me some pictures on, on social media. And it was the funniest thing ever. People are, have gone to the extreme of literally bubble wrapping themselves. Oh my God. All right, so, um, and, and again, I, I understand we, we have to be cautious and we have to use wisdom, but um, I think some people just cross that border. And, and a lot has to do with what the government, you know, uh, yes. uh, tells the people. Yeah. Uh, the government just strikes fear into the population so bad yeah. that people just go berserk. Um, mm -hmm. My wife went to, to the store to buy hand sanitizer. She's been trying to find hand oh, sanitizer yeah. for a week. Yeah. And it's too. sold out. Yep. It's in the mask. It's sold out completely. <laughs> so day after day, they said, yeah, come back tomorrow. By the time she comes back tomorrow, it's gone. <laughs> and so it's incredible um, how fear, uh, when it strikes, how people react. Yeah. Not realizing that if you truly believe in Him, yes, come on. you are set apart, yes. you are covered, Amen. Uh, His blood covers you, you will not be harmed. And it's no matter what disease, you can call it Ebola, you can call it coronavirus, I don't care what you call it, it will not touch you, Amen. it will not touch your family, but you have to, you have to believe in what you preach, you have Amen. to live right. what you speak. So Amen. if you don't do those things, and all of a sudden you say one thing on Sunday, but the rest of the week you act differently, how do you expect anything to happen, or how do you expect anything to come to pass in your life? So the coronavirus should not scare anybody in this place. Amen. As a matter of fact, we ourselves should actually come together and pray for those Amen. that have been scared by these things. And 
I believe, honestly, I mean, they, they even said, my son told me, uh, I believe it was yesterday, we were sitting over at dinner, and he said, he said, that man, you're not going to believe what's going on. The basketball games, they asked the basketball players if they were okay with no spectators in the whole stadium. So it's like you're going to play basketball and like, by, by themselves. <laughs> a bunch of millionaires playing basketball by themselves. Wow. Uh, because of, of, of the extreme of this virus, right? Yes. And um, and some people might say, well, I've had the coronavirus for the longest time, man. I'm like, what do you mean? I've been treating corona for the past 20 years. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right? Coronavirus. Um, coronavirus. <laughs> the actual virus. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy. Um, it's like people are going through extreme measures to, to handle these wow. things. But I think us as the body of Christ really should come together, united in one spirit, and should pray for this country. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, Amen. Should pray for e even people within the church that that are that uh, fear has has struck them yeah. in, in certain ways, right? And uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys because it really caught my attention. And it's just it's like it doesn't matter what station you turn to, it's mm -hmm. constantly oh, yeah. people are talking about it, talking about it. Yeah, it was just driving me crazy. Yes. Already. I was like, man. I don't know if to share this on Sunday, but it was just something that uh, God put in my heart to, to share with you guys. You know, do keep this country in your prayers, please. Um, keep the church in your prayers. Keep the members in your prayers. Yeah. Not just a district, but every church. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, so I wanted to, to recap a little bit on, on last week and, and, and Genesis 7. I, I believe it was very powerful. And my wife touched three points that I kind of want to reiterate on it. Not too much, but just want to bring it to your attention if you didn't write these notes. And the first one was the invitation, mm. right? The invitation that God gave Noah. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today uh, as I, we go into Genesis 8. Uh, because this invitation continues. And it's powerful the way it's played out in Genesis 8. It's amazing. We'll get to it in a little bit. But it, it's incredible that sometimes we read and we think that Noah just walked into the ark. You know, he took it upon himself to walk into the ark, and that was not the case. God was already in the ark, yeah. a, a, a vessel that he told him to build. So, I mean, he gave him the the uh, the, the means, everything that Noah was going to need to be able to build this massive, massive boat or, or, ma or massive ark, whatever it is yes. that you want to call it. But um, it measures, uh, when you look into the measurements of this boat, it says that it extends one and a half football fields. <laughs> and you know a football field is about 100 yards. So imagine an arc. Imagine a boat measuring one and a half football fields. How much wood would you have to knock down? How many trees would you have to knock down in order to build such a vessel? Yet God made everything available to Noah with ease. <laughs> yes. And the reason why that happened is well, because Noah, in the midst of all the chaos, if you guys remember that I mentioned, that I mentioned two weeks ago, he was obedient. You know, when we reached that verse, I said, but Noah said that there was a difference. That was the dividing line between everybody else and Noah. Yeah. God made a division what everybody else was doing and divided his righteous men, Noah, apart. That's why I love what, what my wife said about we are a set-apart nation, Amen. a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We have been set apart. Yes. We're foreigners in this land. That's right. So it's okay to not feel uh, uh, comfortable. So, so comfortable at times. It's fine. We shouldn't, as a matter of fact. The Bible says you should not make roots in this world. We're passing through, we're making a statement, we're making an influence while we're passing through, but you should not grow roots here. Right. This is not your home. 
right? So, so it was an invitation that God gave Noah when Noah was done building the ark. God said, Noah, come in. Not only you come in, but your wife, your sons, their wives, and every single creature I've called you to bring. And that's very important because you guys remember, he said, I'm bringing clean and unclean. But of the unclean, he brought one pair. Of the clean animals, he brought in seven pairs. That is an amazing seven. It's a perfect number. When God does something, when God says something, when he tells you to do something, he tells you because there's perfection behind Amen. Amen. Come on, God does not make mistakes. And so he told Noah, bring seven pairs because I know what you're going to need the clean animal for. Come on. Yes. I'm one step ahead of you. Yes. You see the now, I see the now and the then. Come on, amen. Yes. So I need you to be obedient. So due to the fact that he was obedient, God facilitated everything. Amen. Number two, the second point was the obedience. And the obedience of Noah brought what? Brought reward. Yes. While everybody else was about to be killed, let's, let's put it that way, because that was the honest truth, yeah. Noah and his family were going to be saved. They were the only people in all the earth, eight people in all the earth that were going to be saved due to the obedience of Noah. So we see here that it wasn't just the invitation, but the invitation brought a reward. Amen. The invitation brought a reward because of obedience. Obedience was the product of what Noah was working towards to in the midst of the land at that moment. He didn't care about looking to his right. He didn't care about looking to his left. He said, I'm going to obey God. Amen. Even though it seems wrong, it seems crazy. Because like, remember I said, there was nobody in the water. It had now rained in the land until that point. So everybody was looking at Noah like even his whole family was looking at Noah thinking he was crazy. <laughs> like, what are you building this massive boat, dude? There is no water around here. But because of Noah's obedience, Amen. not only did he benefit, but his whole family did. Amen. Yes. And I'll tell you this morning that due to your obedience, not only are you benefiting, but your whole family. Amen. Amen. The obedience not only affects you, it affects those that surround you as well. Yes. Amen. Obedience is like an influence, right? It, it, it kind of like, it spreads. Yeah. And, and it's evident when you're walking in it, people notice. And when people know this, it catches their attention. Right. They're intrigued. Wait a second, what is he doing? What is she doing that is different from what I'm doing? She's getting different results. I have oh, to find out what yes, it is. Lord. And I'm sure around the last that moment, people were, yeah, Noah's doing something different, but they were so concerned about the co-mingling and the disobedience and everything else that they were hindered or they were blinded from what was the truth and what was happening at the moment. Therefore, they did not benefit from any obedience because they were actually in disobedience. So number two was, I mean, number one was the invitation. Number two was the obedience. And number three, and I love this, God facilitates everything once we walk in obedience. Amen. I think you notice in your life that whenever you're truly, and I'm, I mean, let's be honest. You know, sometimes we say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in obedience to God. But not wholly. I'm partially obedient to God. <laughs> And when you're partially obedient to God, things don't happen the way they should. Or don't don't play out the way they should because you're not being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you can't be honest with yourself, it's impossible you to be honest with God. Mm -hmm. And so God facilitating everything to Noah 
because he was walking in obedience. Even, even when we don't understand. Even when it seems wrong. Even when we receive a blow that we're not expecting. But if you continue to walk in obedience in due time, God will change everything. Amen. Even when what he did seem wrong, Amen. it's actually right. It's part of what's about to take place further on. Remember, Noah was seeing the now. God saw the now and the then. That's when he told Noah to build the ark. Yes. Amen. Amen. Because he knew the flood was coming. He himself called the flood. Yes. Because the Bible says that he was grieved. He was grieved of everything that was happening. He was hurt of humankind, of mankind, of everything that they were doing that they were not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And due to that, he said, I'm going to wipe out everybody. I'm tired of this. I've been giving uh, signals. I've been giving visions. I've been telling these people time after time after time, and they continue to disobey me. So you know what? Enough is enough. Come on. I'm going to give you 120 years. You guys remember, I gave two theories on it. I believe 120 years was the final warning that God was giving to these people. Because right around that time, the flood came. And so he gave humankind or mankind one last warning. And then the flood came. And the flood came. But Noah benefited from these things. Because he listened to the invitation. Come on, can we listen to the invitation? I believe God is, 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 is inviting all of us. I, I believe God invited this whole church. Amen. Yes, some people did not listen to the invitation. They decided to turn away their ears. And we pray for them. But we also pray for those that did listen Amen. to stay the course. Yeah. Because sometimes... When you see your surroundings changing and changing so fast, yep. you tend to take your eyes off that invitation. Come on. Come on. But you cannot be persuaded because of your surroundings. You have to be persuaded by God. Amen. Now we're going to read Genesis 8. We're going to read the whole chapter. And then we're going to go back and break it down. So go with me to Genesis 8. Put it in English. Or if you want, you can put it up in English. It says, Then God remembered Noah. Interesting. And every living thing, and all the animals that were with him in the ark. Very interesting. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the, the tops of the mountains were seen. 
And so it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark. If you guys remember, the window was where? At the top yeah. of yes. the ark. He opened the window of the ark, which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, hmm. yes. which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see wow. if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her feet, of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her, and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days. You can see the number seven again. And again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. Yeah. Wow. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. And it came to pass on the six and it came to pass in the six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, and the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 20th, seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing about flesh that is with you, birds and cattle, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth, and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out. And his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird that creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a smoothing, a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth, nobody again destroy every living thing as I have done. And he finishes saying, this is the Lord saying, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Lord, we just come before your presence, Father God, and we ask you, Lord, that your word will become red on our spirits this morning, Father God. Lord, allow me to facilitate your word, Father God. Let your word be self-explained, Father God, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, which is the one speaking this morning, Father God. Now me, remove me from this place, Lord, and let your son speak. In the short name of prayer. Amen. 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 So let's go back to verse one because in verse one there's a full sermon. <laughs> and I'm dead serious when there's a full sermon in verse one. I'm gonna spend a lot of time on verse one and then we'll keep going. Because I believe that when God speaks, when God says something, he wants us to understand why he put it there. He doesn't just write it in his book just to write it, just to write another uh -huh. word. He writes it because there's something behind it. Right? And so verse 1 says, then God remembered Noah. Yes. Wait a second. I thought it was God initially that invited Noah. Come on. 
Wasn't God himself inside the ark when he told Noah to come in? So did God all of a sudden forget Noah? Did God all of a sudden said, peace, I'm out. I don't think I built this boat, dude, but I think it's going to sink, honestly. I'm out of here. No, God did not forget Noah. Amen. God was not caught up in everything that was going around. God remembered Noah. When, he, when, when the word says that he remembered Noah, it says he was acknowledging Noah at that moment. Amen. Not that he had forgotten Noah. It's that he was acknowledging Noah and what Noah was doing inside the ark. And that caught my attention. Because sometimes we think that we're doing the right thing, but yet we feel God so far apart. We think that God has forgotten about us. But understand that God will never forget about you as long as you're doing what you've been called to do. God will never leave you, he'll forsake you. That is a promise that is written in the Bible. Amen. But he will not do these things as long as we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. As long as we're walking in obedience. So I, I think God took joy, took pride in saying, I, but God remembered Noah. He was acknowledging that Noah was doing everything he was supposed to be. He was not scared. Maybe he had some thoughts here and there, but he was doing everything he was supposed to be doing inside the ark. That's what God said, but I remembered Noah and every living thing and all animals that were with him on the ark. And that's interesting because sometimes we read that verse and we think that it's just about Noah. But there's a second part in there and a third that we'll get into it. You see, the ark has a big resemblance, has a big significance. And that resemblance is of a cocoon. If you guys remember when, when the butterfly comes out, the butterfly comes out of a cocoon type, right? First it's like a worm, and then it hides itself. Caterpillar. And it actually, it's amazing because this caterpillar-like or worm, whatever you want to call it, he hides himself in this cocoon-like. <laughs> yes, come on. Please follow me. He sets himself apart from the whole world, a world where he was born into, yet he says, wait a second, I know I was born into this world, but I'm called to be something greater. I'm not called to crawl all the days of my life. God told me that is the first stage of my life, but there's something greater that's about to come. So he's called me to set myself apart, to hide myself in this in this cocoon-like, and then in the midst of that cocoon-like, transform into something beautiful. Amen. Amen. And so this ark has a, a big resemblance of a cocoon. And the reason why I tell you this, because the cocoon, when the, when the caterpillar or the worm goes in there, it's a place of, of, of production. There's something happening inside this cocoon, the same way there was something happening inside the ark. Noah was in the process of, of, of something being birthed. See, 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 God saved Noah for a purpose. Amen. God saved Noah and his family for a purpose, for what was to come. Because everybody else was about to be wiped out. And he didn't want to repeat the same thing he did with Adam and Eve. See, there was, there was a difference. There was a difference between Adam and Eve, and there was a difference from Noah and the generations to come after that. And so, and, and, and so this, this, this worm hides itself in this cocoon and begins to change, begins to alter. But it doesn't, not for the worse, 
for the better. Amen. The same way Noah did while he was in the ark. I'm imagining Noah was in this ark making everything flow. We were making sure that all the animals were fed, everything was working the way it's supposed to be worked, not worrying about what was outside, on, not worrying about what was in the water, how heavy the waves were hitting the boat. He didn't care about that. He was concerned Amen. about what was in the boat. Amen. But yeah, sometimes we're so concerned about what's outside of the boat instead of being concerned with what God sets us apart from. Yes. And so this place, this cocoon, this ark was a place of production. And it was producing the perfect product. Amen. This worm life was about to become a butterfly. The same way yes. that Noah and his family was yes. about to be birth or was about to birth a whole nation. Wow. If you can remember, there was only eight people. Everybody else was going to be wiped out. So there was eight people in the whole earth when all this was going to be set up. And wow. they were going to be the new foundation for the nation that was about to come afterwards. If you guys remember when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were there for 400 years, slaves. But they went in as divided families. They came from all over the place in Israel. And they were, I, I believe that God put them in that place, but he put them in that place for a purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He incubated them in, in, in Egypt for a purpose. And they went in as divided families, but they came what? They came out as a nation. Wow. And the more affliction that the Pharaoh would put upon the Israelites, the more they grew. Amen. And the more they grew, and the more they grew, and the more affliction, and the more he would whip them to, to build these, these massive statues and these massive things, the structures that he wanted to build, the more they grew, the more they came together. And therefore, they came in divided and left together. And I'm not telling you that you're, you're supposed to experience uh, affliction the rest of your life. You will experience it from time to time. But that affliction is there for a reason. Amen. That affliction is there to help you. Believe it or not. That affliction is there to build you up. And sometimes we refrain ourselves from the affliction because it hurts. Absolutely. It's not comfortable. Hmm. But it's part of it. it goes up. Wow. But it's part of it. And that's what God was doing with Noah. He put him in this ark for a reason. He set him apart because Noah was righteous. And so God delighted in that. He said, I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to make you build this ark. I'm going to put you in there along with the rest of your family. If you guys remember, I just said, not only did he benefit, but everybody else did. Yeah. Even, even to the point of the clean animals and the unclean animals. <laughs> We'll talk about it a little bit. Let me scratch your head saying, why did God save the empty animals? They have a purpose. <laughs> but God focused not just on Noah. <clears throat> he focused on all the wild animals and livestock that were in that were with him in the ark. You might be saying, well, what do the animals matter? They're just animals. <laughs> if you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, that they got this, this, this so fig leaves as covering for their sin. God came and said, uh-uh. 
your sins cannot be covered by me. I must kill something I created, something I take pride in, that I created from the dust to make sure it covers you. Something that's meaningful, something that bloodshed had to happen, something that was pure. And so that brought my attention because the Bible only says that he took skins from animals and make coverings for Adam and Eve. The Bible doesn't say if these were clean animals or unclean animals. But I'm imagining at, the, at this point that if God took from the animals and bloodshed had to, had to be spilled, Come on. it had to be spilled from a clean animal. That's right. Otherwise, God would not make the division between a clean animal That's right. and an unclean animal. So God focuses as well on these animals and these and these creatures and, and, and everything. And the reason why I point this is because where did the coronavirus come from? It came from China and an unclean animal. Isn't that interesting? So I believe God put this in here because he wants us to know something. That he cared about his animals. That the same way he valued human life, he valued his animals. Why? Because he put a spirit in them as well. <laughs> he gave life to these animals. He took time to create these animals. And theologians say that the animals, as Adam, came from dust. They were created the same way, but God had to make a decision. Who do that about anymore? The animals or mankind. Mankind continues to fail me, yet the animals just continue to go about their business. But even then, as hard as a decision that God had to make, he still chose mankind over the animals. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad he did. Yes. Because it would suck to have a dog who has a minion on these. More chickens. <laughs> But God gave the meaning of man over the animals. Now, if you guys remember, when God had to slay the animals to make coverings for Adam and Eve, that point, that moment, it appointed an action in time that man would have to slay animals for the atonement of sins. Mm -hmm. Who sins? Not of animals, but of mankind. <clears throat> That's why I believe that when it got to this point of this flood coming, right, God was so grieved. Because if you remember, he didn't say take all the animals in the land. He said take seven pairs of clean animals and then one pair of unclean animals. Meaning there was a lot more in the land than that. So not only were mankind dying, but there were animals <coughs> that were also going to die. That's right. And so I grieved God so much because of what happened back with Adam and Eve that it appointed a time of, of, of atonement, like I said. But now what was going into the ark was marking another time in history. And this time in history was that these animals 
we're about to also become fools. So not only were they the atonement for sin or covering for mankind's sin, but now they were about to be fools. Something that God did not create them for. Because That's if you right. guys remember up to this point, my wife said it last week, food was plants. Mm -hmm. That was food. They had to eat an animal. But God made a decision at this point. He said, who do I value more? Mankind or animals? I choose mankind. Why? Because in the beginning, God said what? We are going to make man into our image and likeness. When God said those words, he took pride in what he was creating. When he made the animals, what he just said, he made the birds in the sky, the animals, the fish in the sea. He said, I'm not gonna make I'm gonna make him in my image and likeness. He never said that. But God took pride in making mankind. So therefore he gave mankind dominion over the animals. But he was so hurt now that the animals were about to become food for men once again. Hmm. It also must have grieved God when he allowed Noah to take these animals because not only were they about to become food. He knew eventually they were going to become something else, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm. So too often we look at this verse from a man's point of view, right? We only see Noah, but God remember Noah, and then we just kind of read on, and we don't—we're not concerned about the animals, and we're not concerned about what says after the animals. And the second and the third part of that verse says that a rushing wind, right? A wind. God made a wind. This is coming from him. He made a wind to pass over the earth. Now if you guys remember in, in chapter 6, when it was speaking about a wind, it was speaking about what? The Holy Spirit. So here it says that God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. Notice when the Spirit of God came, everything said. Yes. First there was chaos, then there was Noah. Noah ran into the ark. God said, come over here, dude. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save your family. Bring all these animals. This is what, exactly what I'm telling you to do. God, uh, Noah did so. He went into the ark. I'm pretty sure the waves were banging on, the, on that ark left and right, and everybody around was, was in chaos, was dying, was floating, was trying to swim for their lives. And then all of a sudden he said that God made a wind and the waters subsided. Praise God. When God speaks, when God gives a word, yes. you can take that word to the back. You can take that word to the back. Whenever God speaks, there is certainty behind yes. it. Amen. We may fail God, but God will never fail us. Yes. I'm imagining that Noah was inside the ark, and when people were in the waters, they must have been banging on that boat. Mm. But God said that he remembered Noah. I'm pretty sure Noah was at some point saying, wow, you know, this crazy what's going on out there, but if God saved me, he saved me for a reason. If he set me apart, he set me apart for a reason. That's right, amen. I know God was not making mistakes. Yeah. 
I know there's a bunch of people out there that are dying. I know there's a bunch of animals out there that are dying. But listen, hey, while you guys were involved in all this crazy stuff, I was following God. Amen. I was doing what God had told Amen. me to do. You guys should have listened. Yep. Maybe you would have been inside the boat. Says God made a wind to pass over and the water subsided. This was an illustration, like I said, of the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth. And how do we know this? Because it said that God caused it. It doesn't say the wind just came from east to west or west to east, whatever. No, it said that God made us a wind. So we we can align it to his Holy Spirit or his Ruach HaKadosh. Amen. Why do I emphasize so much on the first verse? First of all, I wanted to get the revelation on that first verse. I didn't want you to miss that. Because like I told you, just off that first verse, I mean, I can continue on. There's a sermon on that first verse. But I wanted you to get the revelation, but I wanted you to also to get in mind of what's to come as, as we go through Genesis 8. And there's a lot more that comes just from the beginning. Go down with me to verse 6. And we're going to read from verse 6 to 12. It says, So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and from until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters have receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Remember, he sent out his spirit, his spirit calming the, the waters. And they began to, to, to subside, but there was still water laying around, right? And so, then it says, so he put out his hand, he took her, he threw her back into the ark for himself. And then he waited yet another seven days. Mm. I mean, he didn't ask on the spot. He didn't get frantic. He didn't freak out. Oh, wait a second, there's water all over the place. No, he said, he took the dove, and he waited another seven days. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a fresh blood out of leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him. So twice Noah waited. Even though the second time that he says that the waters had receded and, and, and the dove brought back that, that audibly, he could have stepped out. Because at that point, means that the ground was already dry. That the dove was actually able to pluck a leaf from a tree and bring it back. But Noah did not act instantly. Noah did not act out of emotions. Oh, come on. Noah, Noah did not act out of desperation. Yes. Because Matthew, remember, he was inside this ark for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm sure after 40 days and 40 nights, not only of himself, yes. with his family, but all these animals, the smell in there must not have been nice. Because not one time, the Bible says that he opened the window and tossed everything out. 
Mm. You know what I'm talking about when you throw this at the dark. So I'm sure at one point in time or another, Noah was desperate to get out of this place. <laughs> right? He was like, man, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. But yet he doesn't act out of desperation. He doesn't get desperate. He says, I'm gonna jump out. Forget it. I've had enough of all these animals and my family. Too close for comfort. No, he didn't. He waited. And well, how, how long did he wait? He waited seven days. Not once, but twice. He waited the perfect number, not once, but twice. Amen. Because he knew that there was perfection. If he waited the perfect time, and God did not make the number seven to be a perfect number for no reason. If he would have waited, if he waited the perfect time for God to say, now it's time for you to come out, he knew he was not going to face any issues when he did so. Amen. Again, Noah did not act based on the surroundings. He acted out of obedience. And so, Noah being inside this ark for 40 days and 40 nights, I, I, I'm imagining at one point or another, he must have felt that he was in, in some sort of prison-like or, or, or closed in, right? Because this, again, there was only one window and it was on the top of the boat. So meaning he couldn't look out the side of the boat, he couldn't see what was around. He had to, he had to trust on these birds. And we'll go into the birds in a minute, but he had to trust these birds to come back and reassure him that the time that he was waiting on God was the perfect time. So this ark that he was in, him, him himself and his whole family might have felt at one point or another that it, it was like a prison. But what was actually a prison was a promise in the making. Wow. And I know that's tough. And I know that, that our flesh sometimes pulls because we 
want to take matters into our own hands. Yeah. And, and we think that we can do things better than God, but in reality, we can't. Every time we do so, we fail. Yeah. It might seem like it's working for a certain period of time, yeah. but then all we do is just get caught up in everything that we've stuck our hands in, yeah. and it, we create this mess around us. Mm -hmm. When God never asks for help, he just said, wait on me. When you wait on me, you put the weight on me. Listen, you put the full responsibility yes. on him. Amen. And one thing God has to come through Woo. is on his word. Amen. Yes. Amen. If he promised you something, you can take it to the bank that he's going to come Amen. through his word. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yep. It might not be in your time, but he's definitely on time. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's asking you to wait. Listen, put all the pressure on me. I can take it. I don't break. Woo. I don't break. I don't turn my back on you. I don't promise you something that don't meet the time frame. Come on. I don't tell you I'm going to do something and then do the opposite. Come on. That's not the way God operates. Amen. God is faithful in all Amen. His ways. Amen. Amen. In all his ways, not just some, in all his ways. Yes. All he's asking you is to wait upon him. Amen. Amen. But there's something interesting in verse. Wait. He first he sends out a raven. Now it's funny that he sent out a raven before he sent out a bird a, a dove. The raven it's a scavenger bird. The raven is an unclean animal. Come on. Why would Noah send out an unclean animal prior to a clean animal? Wow. Because Noah needed to know that if the raven would not return, meaning there was still <laughs> yes. things in the surrounding. That were dead because scavenger birds feed mm -hmm. on dead and, and dead corpses, corpses. He needed to know that the surroundings were being taken care of before he sent out his dove, before he sent out the peace or the assurance yes. that what he was about to do what it was the complete assurance of the step that he was about to take. He said, I need to send out this raven. I need to send out this scavenger bird. And it says here that he sent out the raven, which kept going to and from. To and from what? Amen. Not to and from the ark because it never came back. It was going to and from corpses. Wow. Eating. <laughs> removing what was around. Why do I tell you this? Because out of an unclean animal was birthed another virus yeah so even before all this coronavirus and all these thousands of other viruses that have come throughout history Noah that God knew what needed to take action prior to Noah stepping out of dark wow. he needed to clean what was around wow. wow he needed to clean remove what was around before Noah stepped out of the boat now this raven was going to and from 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel that we're going to and from different areas, but everything always away from God. We feel that we're going to and from, but it doesn't seem that we're walking with God. And what God wants you to know, wants you to do is exactly what the word last week said to Teshuvah. To turn from and run to. Amen. Turn from what you're doing that is not what I told you to do and run to me and listen to Amen. me and wait upon me and ask what I tell you to do so Amen. and do what I tell you to do something in my time frame, not in yours. Yes, Don't get desperate. Don't ask if I'm not telling you to ask. Don't move if I don't tell you to move. Wait upon me, says the Lord. Amen. So the scavenger bird was doing something that too many times we do and we should not be doing. Once we turn from and run to, and we should stay the course. And a lot of times that's easier said than done, and it's hard. But the Bible says that it would never be easy. Mm -hmm. If you can find it in the Bible, please let me know. Because that would be my life verse from now on. <laughs> but it doesn't say that. But it does say that you will be rewarded. Amen. Noah Amen. was rewarded. Amen. Noah was rewarded out of obedience. Noah was rewarded out of obedience and God facilitated everything for Noah to do. Yes. Noah did not go through issues once he was in the boat. Once the boat was created, once the ark was created, that Noah stepped in, he was good. And that's why it starts with, with, with chapter 8. It says that God remembered Noah. No, not that he forgot about Noah, that he was acknowledging Noah. He was taking pride in what Noah Amen. was doing, even in the midst of the ark, even in, in the dark. Because there was only one window. Yeah. So I'm sure at, at points in the ark, the ark being that big, he was in the dark at one point or another. But even in the midst of that, God remembered Noah. God acknowledged yes. Noah Amen. in the ark. Now if we can go down a little bit to verse 15 through 19. It says, Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons, and your son's wife with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons, his wife, his son's wife, his wife's, his sons, his wife's, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and every and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. I notice here that there was no restriction. There was no restriction. God told everybody to come out of the ark. He didn't say Noah, his family, and the clean animals. No, he said Noah and all his family and all the animals. Everybody out of the ark. That's it. It's time for you to smell fresh air. <laughs> I need you guys to come out. You spent 40 days in there. I know you're hurting. I need you to come out now. Again, another invitation. Yes, amen. Another invitation. We started chapter 7 with an invitation, and here we are again on, on chapter 8 with another invitation. Wow. Because that's how God works. God is constantly inviting us Amen. to do things. Yes. God is constantly inviting us to do things to prosper us. Yes. Yes. God is constantly inviting us to do things to remove us from all the filth and all the chaos that is around us. Yes. Yet we turn a deaf ear to God yes. at times. I've done it before. Be real. Because I think I can do it better. Amen. 
think I could handle things on my own. I did it, maybe I did it once, right? Nah, like the song says, if I did it once, I can do it again. No. 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 If you did it once, you got lucky. Mm -hmm. God spared you. God showed you grace. He showed you mercy. Amen. But now I need you to turn from and run to because I need to also teach you a lesson. And if you think you can do it on your own, go right ahead. I'm going to step back. I'm going to step back. But God invited everybody out of the ark. Amen. Said, man, come on, everybody. Come out of the ark. I got, a, I got some new things for you. Amen. Amen. The water subsided. Everything's cool. The dust came back with, with the olive tree. With the olive leaves. You guys are safe now. That olive leaf was showed Noah was safe. The dove bringing that olive leaf back was a sign from God to Noah and his family of safety. That they can disembark the ark and be in a safe home, in a safe heaven, haven. That everything around, that all the chaos that was there was poison, all gone. Amen. Also, this flood was also an illustration of a symbol kind of like a water baptism. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. What happened when this flood took over? There was chaos. The flood took over. They came out of the flood as new people, mm. as a new family. Mm. What happens when we have a water baptism? We are submerged into the water, and our old self stays wow. behind, and we are new creations. We are a new creature in Christ. This is exactly what happened with the flood. It was an illustration of a water baptism that God showed Noah. The old stays behind. Wow. You are brought out through this flood. I will take care of all the surrounding. I will take care of everything that's about to take place. And then I'm going to assure you and confirm to you the peace that you're going to have by this olive leaf from this dove. The old stayed behind. I don't need you to focus on that anymore. I took care of that. <laughs> but I love the action that Noah takes. And this is so powerful. Go down to verse 20. And look what it says. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Notice how it emphasizes on the clean animals. Remember, when God writes something, he's writing it for a reason. So again, here we see the whole clean animal and unclean animal issues that we've been talking or kind of touching on the last couple of weeks. God knew that if Noah would only bring one pair of clean animals, by the time the flood would subside, means the clean animals will be in full extinction. And all that will be left in the earth will be unclean animals. Because God made a division. God divided the unclean and the clean. So if Noah would have brought only one pair of clean animals, by the time that flood finished, 
All clean animals will be extinct. They will be healthy for food. As a matter of fact, they might have died. They might have died of hunger. But Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the altar. Noah's actions speak louder than words. Yeah. What does this tell us right here on this verse 20? It tells us that out of Noah's obedience, that God held them in a safe haven, in a safe place, in a cocoon like in an ark, here out of gratitude comes Noah and says, everything you did for me, not what you're about to do, but what you did for me already, I'm grateful for. So therefore, I'm gonna build an altar. The first thing I'm gonna do when I come out of the ark is build an altar, because I have to give you praise for Amen. what you just got me. I cannot just take this and run with it and say, okay, it'll happen again. Wait a second. I have to do something in my heart to show you gratitude Amen. of what you did. Yes, and how many times God does things for us, and the first thing we do is run with it. We got our blessing. We got our answer from our prayer, and we forget about God. Noah did not forget about God. Noah, he said, he came out and built an altar. He didn't even look for his family. He said, I came out, I came out with the animals, I came out with my family, and I'm going to take the initiative to build you an altar. Okay. Not only am I going to build you an altar, but I'm going to give some sacrifice because I know that what you have provided is abundance. Amen. And I'm going to have more than enough not only to eat, to reproduce, and to also give you as a sacrifice. Amen. So these clean animals, if we, if we look back now to Adam and Eve, we see that it became atonement for mankind's sin, they became food for Noah and the ark, and now became sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Look at everything these animals came from man once God made the decision to give mankind dominion over the animals. They served a three-part purpose. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? No. Three-part purpose. Come on, everybody come out of the ark. 
All of a sudden, no one looks around and says, man, I only got a pair of each. <laughs> we feed in all the clean animals, so I got one pair of unclean and I got one pair of clean animals. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna build an altar and I'm gonna make a sacrifice to God, but I'm gonna keep the clean animals because I know I can eat those. Maybe I'm gonna burn the unclean animals. What was it that King Abel did at the beginning? Mm. One brought the right offering, one brought the wrong the wow. offering. Hmm. One gave of his first fruits, one gave out of leftovers. Noah did not give out of leftovers. Amen. He brought yes. what meant yes. good for God, what he knew was going to please God, wow. what he knew was going to be good in the eyes of God. Why? Because he was grateful of what God did for him. Amen. And therefore, if God was good to me, if God was faithful to me in the midst of the flood, Amen. when I come out, I gotta be faithful to God. Amen. I gotta give God Amen. Back Amen. Everything that He begins to give me to begin with. Yes. He wouldn't have had anything to sacrifice if God wouldn't have given it to him. That's right. So out of gratitude, Noah says, wait a second, Lord. Listen, you got me through this flood. You got me through all this mess. You have succeeded the waters. I'm good. You show me that I'm able to come out. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to build an altar and I'm going to make the sacrifice, but the correct sacrifice. The sacrifice that's going to be pleasing in your eyes. Yes. So then you can smell this soothing aroma and be pleased in my actions. That's why Noah's actions spoke out in the word. Noah didn't say, Lord, I'm going to come out, and the second I come out, I'm going to throw the best party that I'm going to throw because of what you've done for me. I'm going to build the biggest altar. I'm going to sacrifice the best of the meat, the top notch of it. You know, I'm going to give you. But then when he comes out, peace, I'm out. No, he didn't have to speak words. He did it in action. Wow, amen. Because how many times have we can be honest? How many times have we promised God something and we've never come to this? Lord, I'm going to read the word more. When I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to pray every single morning, Lord. You count on me. It's been two months and you haven't woken up not once. You only pick up the Bible on Sunday morning because you got to come to church. No. No, I said no. I'm going to come out. Everybody's counting for it. I'm going to build God an altar. Glory to God. I'm going to give him the best. Because that's what he deserves. Amen. Amen. So now you say, well, Noah built an altar, sacrificed the clean animals. So what was the purpose of these unclean animals? What was the purpose of these unclean animals? Why didn't God just allow all of them to die? I mean, again, they're unclean. Mm -hmm. Who cares? <laughs> the same way the clean animals matter to God, the unclean animals matter to God. Just because they're unclean doesn't mean they're bad. They have a purpose. That's right. Just because they're unclean, God does not disregard them. They're still his creation. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Some of these animals, just like the raven, were scavenger animals. And even when the waters subsided, the raven, raven, can I say ravens? The raven couldn't eat all the dead flesh that was around the earth. 
So what did the unclean animals come into place? To remove all the leftovers. To truly clean out the whole land for what's about to take place. Please don't miss it. The unclean animals came to do as the purpose of what was about to take place. And this shows us why God sees further than we do. Why at times we don't understand why he does things. Why save these unclean animals? Nobody cares for them. We can't eat them. Or we shouldn't be eating them. They're not good for us. That's the reason why there's so many diseases on, on this earth. Yes. And people blame it on the food. Yes, you're right. It is the food. It's the wrong food that you're eating that causes all these things. So that means no more pork rinds? Absolutely. No more pork rinds. They're bad for you. If you continue to eat pork rinds, guess what? You become obese. And if you become obese, then what happens? You gotta be on 10,000 medicines. God established clean and unclean for a reason. They were for your good and my good. That's right. Not because he decided one day on, you know what, these animals are good, these are bad, yeah, let's follow that here. No. He knew. He knew what mankind would do. And he established, since the beginning, since the foundation of the earth, so he established what was good and what was bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shows us that God sees further than we do and plans ahead of us, always in favor of us, whether we understand or not. And verse 20 to 22, I'm going to give you these three things. Number one, Noah's sacrifice was accepted by God because it was the right sacrifice. It was a sacrifice of clean animals. Number two, God will never flood the earth or curse the ground again. Amen. Because he was pleased and when Noah had done it. Wow. Notice that every time God does something, it's because what we already did. It's pleasing to him. Wow. Isn't that a perfect illustration of the way we should carry ourselves? <laughs> and too many times we want to give praise to God for what we want him to do. Wow. Yet we're not noticing what he already did. And this is the perfect illustration. No one did it for what God had already done in that. Yes. They didn't know what was coming next. Right? He came out of the ark along with his, with his family, along with the rest of, of the animals. Yes. He didn't know what was about to take place. God told him, come out. Here's my invitation. Come out again. I told you to come in. I need you to come out. The same way I saved you when you went in, I'm going to save you when you come out. The same way I blessed you when you went in, I'm going to bless you when Amen. you come out. Amen. Amen. But does the Deuteronomy say so? Say so. Bless on the way in and bless on the way Amen. out. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Noah understood this principle. That if God did it once, God would do it again. Amen. Not him, but God would do it again. Amen. So Noah's sacrifice was accepted by God. Number two, God would never flood the earth again or curse the ground. And number three... I know this is just going to cause some red flags, and I'll explain it in a minute. Here in verse 21, go ahead for me for a second, please. It says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma, 
And the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse, I will never again curse the ground of man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. If you read that fast, you're going to miss something very important there. And some of you might disagree with me or not. This is my inclination. This is what I believe. Mm. Otherwise, what happened in the beginning wouldn't have taken place with Adam and Eve. Because the human heart is evil from his youth. It doesn't say the human heart is evil at an old age. It says the human heart is evil at his youth. I believe that when we are born, we are given a good side and a bad side. It is our inclination towards evil to make the wrong choice. Or to make the right choice. Because if you can find me some sort of reference in the Bible where Satan, when it comes to evil doings from human beings, then find it for me. You won't find it. It isn't there. Satan uses the inclination and the evil desires and the evil thoughts of mankind and persuades you and tempts you for you to do something wrong. He doesn't do it for you. So meaning it's already inside of you. He said, well, wait, wait a second, Pastor. At the beginning it says that God made Adam in his image and likeness, so is God evil? Remember I told you at the beginning that there was a difference between Adam and between Noah. God saved Noah, wiped out everybody else. You and I are some way, somehow related to Noah more than to Adam. Please don't lose me. There was a division, again, that God made. God never said when Noah was born that Noah was born in his image and likeness. He only said that about Adam. And then he took Eve out of his rib. But the ill intent, the evil inclination existed since the beginning. It's not that God is evil. It's that God wanted to be fair, and that is where free will comes into play. God gave every human being two sides, a good side and a bad side. He wanted to see how we react. Were we captured by surprise? Absolutely not. He knew what was about to take place, yet he still had to create us in his way for us to be able to say, I have free will. Otherwise, we will be walking around this earth saying God controls everything. Right. And since that, and since God controls everything, everything will turn out fine. Mm -hmm. What do we need God for? Mm -hmm. Why do we need God for? Mm -hmm. I know that no matter what I do, whether it seems right or wrong, it's still going to be fine because God controls right. it. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And depending on that will be the outcome of our choices. Yeah. Depending on that will be the consequences of what we would choose. But yes, I believe that we were born, I'm not going to say born this way like Lady Gaga says, but we're, mm -hmm. it, it, we're, we're built this way because the Word says it. Of men's heart is evil from his youth, means from the beginning of time. So where references that Satan does all the evil that humankind does, you will not find them. Where does God pin the evil of mankind on the devil? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't pin what we do wrong on the devil. It's on us. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's on us. That's right. And the reason is that we give too much credit to, to the devil. When in reality, it's us. That's right. And at times, we blame the enemy. To the point of saying it was him that did it, or it was him that persuaded me to do it. Yeah, maybe he may be persuaded, but it was you that did it. You have free will, buddy. Come on, yes. God gave you free will. That's a that's that's a blessing to have. Amen. That's up to you what yep. you choose. Come on. Yep. It's up to you what you choose. Don't blame it on the devil. Don't give him so much credit. Come on. You have authority over him. Why are you allowing him to rule or to control what you do? Yes, come right. on. When God has given you authority over him. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> yes. That seems a little twisted. Don't get me wrong, Satan is real, church. But he is a created being, like we are. He doesn't create evil, he is a created being. And so therefore, he has limitations the same way we do. And even more given by God because out of the disobedience that he did when he was up in heaven. So now he prowls to see who he can devour. To see who is leaning who are those evil thoughts of how to get ahead if, if I, if I, you know, if, if, if this person doesn't, doesn't do what they're called to do, let me hinder them. If those evil thoughts are in our minds or, the, or, or in our hearts, and you, you're trying to be a, a stumbling block for that person instead of being a stepping stone for them to propel them to further themselves better, he's just a created being, just like we are. And you have dominion over him. And I'm going to finish with this. I love verse 22. Because through all this whole chapter, Again, God finishes with a promise. Yes. And verse 22 says, After all this, nor will I ever destroy every living thing as I have done. It says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. These are not just God's words. This is a promise from God. This is a promise from God for you and for me. There will always be planting and there will always be harvest. There will always be day, and there will always be night. There will be good times, and there will be bad times. But the one thing that he's assuring you is that he will be with you. Amen. The same way he was with Noah prior to the flood, in the midst of the flood, and invited Noah to come out of the ark after the flood, he will be with you all the days of your life. In the midst of your ark, in the tough times, 
in the good times. In the lonely times. Amen. But when you obey God. Yes, Lord. When you obey God, God says the harvest is coming. Amen. Amen. The good times always come. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. May be dark, but what? Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. Joy comes in the morning. Yes. yes. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. When you begin to see things like that, and you begin to wait on God, yes. God facilitates yes. things yes. for you the wow. same way he did it for Noah. Amen. Go ahead and stand, please. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, this, this was a, a, a short chapter.